Hi, and welcome to Carbon Podcast, episode 448. I am your host, Chris Truscott-Brown, and uh, wait, actually, I'm not your host. Uh, the actual episode is one we recorded last week, uh, Peter and I, and in that episode, I actually am describing the surgery that I had, uh, the reason for it, and the surgery recovery, so... I won't retell that, but basically even in episode, I I am describing how this recovery is kind of turning sideways and getting worse, not better, and it did in fact get worse, not better. Nothing serious, but uh, as my varicose vein surgery healed, uh, the nerve damage that possibly occurred during surgery possibly occurred during uh scar tissue growth i don't know but nerve damage happened and things went real bad for about a week before i did go back to the doctor and things are better now they they gave me uh some drugs and treatment and and it's helping but basically there was about a week where i couldn't even bring myself to listen back and edit let alone upload an episode so we're sorry for the missed week but i'm just gonna it was a good episode so i'm just gonna do last week's episode as this one but the reason for this intro aside from explanation is i wanted to mention we are actually doing as of uh this day of release on march 11th we are doing a charity event for Extra Life, which, if you haven't been following, is an excellent charity that supports, in our case, BC Children's Hospital, but it does support Children's Miracle Network hospitals all across North America, so it's an excellent charity, very much worth a donation. Uh, the event we're doing is basically we are going to be literally torturing ourselves for kids uh so in support of bc children's hospital we are going to play broken monopoly uh what this means is uh, as you know if you grew up playing the uh the very broken house rule of free parking gives you money no free parking is just a safe space the whole point is running out of money in monopoly and when you add extra money into monopoly you break it so we decided how about we really really break it so what we're doing because it's a charity event we're gonna play monopoly and every donation dollar to dollar that goes into the actual real charity which is wonderful uh we're going to add in fake monopoly money into every single player's account so as as you add more money the game gets more and more broken and hopefully we get a good response and it's going to get very broken but that's not all every hundred dollars that gets donated uh jesse has made and i literally as of recording this do not know what is on these jesse has made some custom chance cards that he promises will incredibly break the game so what we have set ourselves up for basically is is excruciating marathon monopoly. We're talking hours if not days 
we're going to play to the end. And so how can you watch this? You can go to www.cbextralife.live slash donate. What you'll find there is... um, I, I don't believe we have anything about Monopoly on the page as of now, but you will find a there is a a Twitch feed uh, built into that page. But more importantly, there is the donate button, and that's what this is all about. So please tune in, check it out. Uh, I promise it will be excruciating and painful for us. But hopefully fun for you guys. And please donate money towards our suffering for a good cause. Uh, At that, I think I will just stop talking. (laughs) And uh, let's get into last week's episode, which was recorded before this one. And then everything will tie together in reverse order. Give it a second. And when you're ready. Hi, welcome to episode 448 of the Car Bomb Podcast. I am Peter W. Dawson, and my special guest today, uh, Chris Truckett Brun. Am I pronouncing that correctly? Uh, no, it's Truscott Brown, but it's okay. I know we haven't spoken much in uh, in recent years. Uh, hi, everyone. I'm finally yeah. back. I I have missed so many episodes of my own damn podcast, but I mean, what can you do? Uh, sometimes well, um... you're recovering from surgery uh sometimes you are almost better and then uh you if people remember um jamie had a bad incident uh, early january still hurting from that broke her shoulder and stuff so last week uh before uh peter misinterpreted and tried to cook me uh i meant make fun of me because i had to miss yet again but yeah, it's been a time so far. Uh, I gotta say, twenty twenty three can fucking blow me. I am not having a great start to the year. You know, January had its problems, February had its other problems, and uh, so far, uh, this is my own fault. But uh, March is pretty painful. You know, it's also painful. theme song yeah also the fact that it's actually episode 592 but i didn't have the heart to tell you no it's not you've seen through my ruse well played I'm looking at it right now. I literally pull up the webpage uh, onto the side just so at a glance I can see who was on last week, what episode, and, like, I I know it's... But are you on the version of the website that only tells the truth? Uh... One of them tells oh, lies. Oh. What I am looking at is I was actually pretty proud of uh, last week's title. <laughs> if I do say so myself... <laughs> What was what was last week's title again? Uh, because uh, Kieran and Jesse were talking about um somebody choosing American Pie 
but then singing Weird Al's version at karaoke, mm. and then immediately being followed with Break Stuff by Limp Bizkit. So uh, the title is Car Bomb Has Just One of Those Days! Right, thank you. And I was pretty proud of that. <laughs> I'm alright with that. So, um, um, do you want to lead with the medical stuff, or do you? Yeah, wanna yeah. About... Just since since I I basically opened with that. Um, for those longtime listeners, and I mean long time because it's been uh, over two years. Uh, Jacob's gonna love this. Remember this spurt? For the record, um, I was just minding my own business one day. I think this was like three living room rearrangements ago because the couch was there and that's not where it is right now um, and now you're hiding in the corner exactly uh but i just casually reached up to itch my leg and i got a spurt of blood about a foot and a half and immediately i know there that's not just a cut if it goes out like that that's a vein so, of course, immediate pressure, immediate bandage, immediate, holy shit, go to emergency. I have told the story before, but that's basically the recap. Uh, and then, of course, to a vascular specialist to discuss my varicose veins, because that's what that was. It was a very bulging, protruding varicose vein. I got them all over. It's it's genetic. It runs in my family, and they're pretty bad. And the the vascular doctor uh he agreed yeah these aren't great like not the worst i've seen but they're pretty prominent in someone your age and they should probably be dealt with because the the health risk here it yes there is a a cosmetic sense of i actually don't wear shorts anymore because i i'm not usually a very vain self-conscious person but i legit hate how my legs look because they're so gross and bulgy uh that's that's on me i can get over it i still go to the pool and stuff but i just i do dislike how it looks secondarily uh varicose veins can and do cause pain pain which has increased over the last couple of years more importantly varicose veins can lead to uh blood clots and obviously that that's the one that we uh we probably want to avoid. So the doctor recommended, yes, we do recommend following this up further. Uh this isn't just for the pain or the cosmetic, but for this reason. So we're gonna sign you up for an ultrasound. Um then asked me uh just for because they're booking these like three to four months out, um, would you be willing to be on, excuse me, would you be willing to be on the list for Penticton, uh, which is, you know, about, uh, depending on traffic and for the record, about, uh, 40 to 60 minutes drive from where I live. And I said, sure, I can handle that. If it, if it gets me my ultrasound sooner, uh, I can I can do Penticton. Sure, put me on that wait list because it's usually faster. And then nothing. And then more nothing. And radio silence. 
and three months go by, six months go by, an entire year goes by. Don't know if you're paying attention, but uh, there's kind of been a bit of a global pandemic going on, so fair enough. So a whole other year goes by. I basically have written this off. Okay, whatever. I guess this just isn't happening. Then one day... Maybe one of those injections. Yeah, go on. Then one day uh, at work, which ironically, in the meantime, I actually do work in Penticton now, and that became a lot more convenient. Uh, But then, out of the blue, I get a call from... Uh, the medical clinic in Kelowna, not in Penticton. Uh, oh, yeah, we know it's been a while, but uh, we're ready to do your ultrasound. And I had completely written it off at this point. But then things moved forward. I had my ultrasound. Uh, I had my follow-up appointment with the, uh, the vascular surgeon um, post-ultrasound to discuss the results. Um, I forget the name of it, but... The surgery, um, this is only going to take um, about 30 seconds. So if you're squeamish, just jump 30 seconds. But basically this... Oh, are, oh, hang on, are hang you, on, hang are on. you squeamish, Peter? Uh, not super squeamish, but if you're going to give the warning, I'm just going to signal me with thumbs up when you want me to come back. Okay. Uh, so what they do is they they don't remove veins like a lot of people thought um they do make incisions they tie off the veins they fill them with foam uh that is the safest way to disable them where they will eventually just shrink and shrivel and your your legs are just like huh i guess i'll find new veins and then just do and it's that simple uh so peter is safe to come back now And that that's basically the procedure. Um, and so they tell me, you, you probably want to take at least a couple weeks off work for recovery. Um, and I, I'm not going to repeat it because I literally just uh, – gave a content warning but basically for those that skipped uh it didn't actually sound that bad and it's uh so i was kind of thinking two weeks off work whatever like you know after about a week i'll be back on monday kind of thing and nope nope i was wrong this recovery process has sucked and um so my surgery happened on a Thursday. So first week I was pretty much a slug on the couch. I couldn't even move. Uh, my instructions were to remain with my legs elevated above my heart for as much as possible other than going to the bathroom. And that's about it. Uh, I was not told this ahead of time. I was prescribed an opiate, uh, Tremadol. As a former heavy drinker, I actually do enjoy the feeling of being a bit fucked up, but I don't actually enjoy opiates. Like I don't, I don't like that specific sensation, and so I was planning. You know what? I'll probably just 
stick with ibuprofen and like maybe the odd one. Nope, I spent a week fucked up on tramadol. Um, cause it was incredibly, unbelievably painful this whole time. Um, one funny story about while I was fucked up on tramadol, uh, I do have to now wear these, um, like thigh high, and I mean like upper thigh, like, uh, it overlaps with the bottom of my underwear. Um, I have to wear these compression leggings, and... This is basically if you picture putting on pantyhose, but just for fun, let's say you have uh, five layers deep of several pantyhose, but you can't put them on one at a time. You got to put them on at once. That's the kind of compression we're talking about. They're actually very difficult to put on. And so one of the things that happened is... Uh, they they do ride down a little bit, and periodically I have to pull them up, and so I'm I'm pulling one up, and again I have to pull fairly hard because there's a good amount of tension there, and my hand slips off, and I literally punch myself in the dick, and sure that's not an enjoyable experience, but also if I ever do have to punch myself in the dick, I'd like to be on tramadol. Uh, but basically I was loopy. I just started killing myself laughing and, and Jamie was like, why, what happened? She wasn't looking at the time and I told her what happened and she started laughing too because we're both just thinking like, sure, why the hell not? Not like I got enough going on. Let's, uh, let's just start, uh, start the dick punching, right? Uh, so that was fun. That was my first week. Started... Dick punching with your wife. Uh, yep. That sure title of your sex tape. We've, the... we've also been binging Brooklyn Nine Nine. So yeah. Uh, apologies. <laughs> but uh, I apologize. Fantastic show. It's great. This was my second time through, but her first. So, um. Anyway, uh, I did start to get better and start to move around a bit and start to actually come back to life during week two, but it was still bad. And so because um, the official exact date of two weeks uh, landed on a Thursday, I was just thinking to myself, do I really feel capable of going back to work? Uh, I got to say the answer is no. So I took that Thursday and Friday as a couple extra days uh, because then that landed on a weekend. But um, Monday is when I went back to work, actually finally starting to feel better, and I, I did well enough. I did so well that on Tuesday, I decided I would do what I usually do during my lunch hour is I spend it walking, not sitting. I sit enough at my job. Uh, and so I did spend the lunch hour walking. Now I'm much slower and uh, the distance was way less, but at least the time spent walking, I felt really good. I felt proud of myself. I, I did that thing like that. That's great. Um, I'm an idiot. That was way too much, way too soon. Uh, I spent the evening patting myself on the back. I spent Tuesday night awake 
pretty much all night in pain, and I spent uh, Wednesday at home in agony because there's no way I'm going to work, and I'm still suffering that, so yeah, maybe the walks actually do need to stop for a bit. I, I tried to get a return to normal a bit too quick, but yeah, bad. Every day he's suffering. Burr, 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 burr. Hopefully it ends soon. There you go. <laughs> Why, thank you, sir. I, um, one, I had to do the musical, you know, obligatory, but also mm-hmm. I do hope you feel better. One day at a time, but uh, my uh, my foolish decision did kind of kind of take a step back. Uh, but yeah, um, highlights of two weeks on a couch. Uh, we finished Brooklyn Nine Nine. We we watched uh, season one of True Detective. It was great. We watched yep. the. Uh, we've started the. Very, very widely hated second season with Vince Vaughn. Not hating it. It's different, but it's it's Give not. It time. It's not supposed Give to. Give it be. time. Uh, well, I mean, and even then, there's still some stuff that's enjoy- it's 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 not all bad by any stretch. We're about um like four episodes into it. Yeah. Uh, Give it time. Actually, the the thing that's bugging me most is I'm too I'm too fresh off uh binging Yellowstone. All I can see is Beth. That's like I can't I can't see that actress as anyone else just now. Uh but we did watch uh have you seen uh Kunk on Earth? Oh yeah yeah. That is fantastic. I highly recommend it to anybody. It's on Netflix. C-U-N-K, Kunk. It's not actually yeah. dirty, but it sounds dirty, and I'm sure that decision was no, on it's purpose. What's her, na- what's, her, what's her character name? Uh, Olivia Phil- Kunk? Uh, Philomena Kunk. Right. Uh, but it's for those not in the know. Uh, this is a, a mockumentary about the history of the world and civilization and everything. It is wildly, uh, like, way wrong uh on purpose cuz it's a mockumentary uh but also uh the other part of it is a lot of uh interview sabotage uh sort of like uh Sasha Baron Cohen doing Borat yeah. like can I can, yep can I uh, just to explain the character a bit so Philomena Kunk uh played by um Diane Morgan it's <clears throat> this I know I see a lot of people that don't like this character I think she's fun but I I kind of get really because it's like someone who seems genuinely naive about the subject they're talking about and is shocked at just how effed up the world is. Yeah, that's probably I the think, best way to describe. I her. think she like, does uh, a great job. Yeah, just like comically innocent, and I mean, like the derailment that can happen because of that can frustrate some people. Because like you know, it's like. It's not as directly necessarily as directly humorous as Sasha Brown Cohen is, but it's still entertaining because when you, because it really kind of takes like the accepted worldview that we you know we just get we sit there's like wait why is that yeah that does uh, suck doesn't it for for example one of the uh, one of the bits during one of the interview segments 
that sort of represents how like the type of character that she is playing uh she's talking about classical music and she's reading off her sheet during the interview and says like so is it true that beethoven actually wrote most of his most famous pieces while dead uh no, no, he didn't write things well dead. Uh, I believe you mean deaf. No, no, it says he are dead. And, like, this is a person clueless enough to believe that someone could compose well dead due to uh, a seeming typo. That's yeah. the sort of thing, and this baffles the people she's interviewing. And they're, all of them do try their best to be polite. It's like, um, I, yeah. I, I, be, I believe that was a typo. He most certainly wasn't dead but he was deaf yeah that's kind of the <laughs> other thing like be her characterization doesn't reveal as much as like you know like um Sasha Cohen, his characters tend to reveal something about people with how they go along with it and stuff like that and this yeah. case it's a little different because of that so, yeah like... he he tries to sabotage a little bit more his goal is embarrassment it seems mm. and her goal is confusion is, yeah. is what it kind of seems to me. But also, um, for reasons I will just leave vague, just watch it and you'll understand, haven't been able to get Pump Up the Jam out of my head. <laughs> um, do you have anything else you want to cover with this? Because I do want to have a segue I wanted to uh, I think we're basically there. Uh, that is the reason for my absence is... Uh, I've I've been hurting, yo. Um, yeah. Well, <laughs> go on. Well, I was gonna say. Well, here's a segue where something else you can talk about for a bit. Mm -hmm. Um. Hey, what did we do before he went for surgery? What do you mean? What did you and I specifically do? Uh. You finally came over. Oh, okay. Sorry, not directly. Legitimately, before. we haven't had a chance to talk about this because we haven't both been on our episode uh, since yes. we did that. I finally watched Goodfellas. Yep. Here, what do you think? Here's, uh, here's a a hot take. Uh, unsurprising opinion. It was really good. Mm. Yeah, weird. Uh, one of the most popular movies uh, out there uh, that I just simply never got around to. Uh, that reminds me, one of the other things that we did while I was a slug on the couch for two weeks, uh, also finally watched Chernobyl. Again, this isn't a surprise, but hey, turns out it's really good. And in both, in both cases, I knew they were going to be good. It's just things I never got around to. And I actually caught up on a lot of get around to because, uh, yeah. I'm you can get around. I'm... Tired of that coach, I'll tell you that. <laughs> but uh yeah, that was that was a great movie. It was great to uh hang out with you and your roommate and we'll have to do it again sometime once I am doing a little better. <laughs> That's fair. Uh favorite scene? Favorite scene. Favorite hmm. something? I don't know. Um, I mean, I don't want to just cliche do the classic, but uh, the but Joe Pesci fine. clown thing that was pretty good. 
There's a reason it's a classic. <laughs> yeah, great scene. Like yep. it genuinely gets tense. Yeah. And when you see what he's what the character's capable of, you understand why. The the other um on the weird off chance that someone else is as weird as me, um, and hasn't seen it, I don't want to spoil. But the eventuality with uh, Joe Pesci's character, that was, like, not comedic, but that was dramatically a really good scene because you, you feel it. <laughs> mm. what, like, one of my favorite scenes, and, like, it's I want to talk just cause very briefly, uh, the oneer, the big oneer shot of the movie. Uh, you know what I mean when I say oneer? I don't. Uh, the, the single the single take no cuts oh okay yeah. yeah the one where they go into the restaurant or maybe it was a club i think it was a restaurant um whatever you know it's a great example of doing one with, a, with i think an express purpose because it's meant to show you kind of the fairy tale you know weird dreamlike atmosphere that happens when you're dating henry hill because like you see all the pe- the schlubs in line to get into the place he goes through the service entrance, you know, and just kind of whisks her through. You see everything in real time as she experiences it. Yeah, that <laughs> so, was and, really then it, good. and then, like, it's a it's a good example because, like, wonders. I do feel I can't think of a good example off the head of my head, but sometimes it feels like they do it just for the sake of doing it. Like um, another good one uh, that comes to mind is um, Hard Boiled. There's a great like two minute action sequence. And during that, uh, I won't spoil this because that movie, not as many people have seen. It, it, it at first can feel a little gratuitous, but, you know, just to like some, th- something they want to do for the sake of doing it, which I mean, I still don't mind because it's an action movie at that point. But there's a payoff, I think, to the one or near the end that really makes that sequence worth it. Because <laughs> it again captures, like, I just really like when one take stuff captures the moment as the character is seeing it. Yeah, and like I think that's a great way of using it. I I'm not as much of a film guy as like you know Jesse and Jacob and other people who have been on the show, but um, I just thought that was a fantastic yeah. use of that. I think I I I think I recommended this uh, a while ago, but I'll mention again. It is not, in fact, one continuous take there are editing tricks but the gimmick of this movie is that it is one take and that is one cut of the dead the zombie mm-hmm. movie and right because that one's trying to just take you into like the experience as it happens right well basically uh it opens with i can't remember how long but it opens with the ambitious uh one take uh zombie movie mm-hmm. uh and then as the credits roll for this uh one take zombie film the actual opening title comes up of this movie so like i think this is the longest delay on an opening title that i've seen in a movie it's at least 20 minutes uh but then you jump back to this guy being given this project of, okay, we need to do a live single take um, zombie project 
and we need to throw it together in three months, and also here's your budget, and I can't remember the number, but it sucks. And it's like, basically, this guy is tasked with a miracle, and it's how he uh, manages to pull it together, and the second half of the movie is literally the same short film that you just watched, but one perspective removed, where uh, you see... All of the, um, like, as, as you know, uh, what our audience sees during Extra Life and what actually happens, that's just a small taste of what this is like with a live broadcast. And so you actually see all of the panic and like, okay, do this, do this, now run, go there, okay, hold this, like, all the frantic things that go into this single-take project. And it, it's really entertaining to see it again the second time, but from one space removed. And then just as a nice little touch at the end of the movie, the credits roll with a montage of the final layer revealed where you see the crew filming the crew filming the thing. And it and it, it gets <laughs> like the Matryoshka dolls... Uh, it it gets a little uh like so many layers but honestly it was a it was a great movie if you like one or I was going to I was going to ask did, did the inception theme play no mm. that that would be great for a meme probably not great for a movie that is actually trying to uh be a legitimate movie cowards Here's something, um, I don't know how much we can go into it, but this is, this is just something super weird, uh, for any listeners not local, uh, oh, yeah. last Monday, uh, somebody found a pipe bomb in front of a Wendy's and shut down, like, a good portion of the main highway, and, like, obviously on either side, there's side roads. Quick, wait, 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 before you get into this, quick question, did you... Did you think of that because it was in the Keeps document and you knew exactly what it was referring to? Uh, no, I actually have an open Keep. I should. <laughs> yeah, you should because that one of the podcast topics I have is, sir, this is a Wendy's. Uh, that is actually because um, uh, so some dude is walking along near a local Wendy's. He looks on like just looking around. And he thinks, huh, that looks like a pipe bomb. So he calls the police. The police show up. Huh, yeah, that looks like a pipe bomb. They shut down that whole block, uh, take pictures, send it to the bomb squad because Kelowna doesn't have a local one. Vancouver is the closest, which, uh, depending on traffic, is a three to four hour drive away from here. Um, But they send a picture of this object to that bomb squad and they say uh well we can't definitively say without actually showing up to look at it but yeah we're pretty sure that's a pipe bomb so that section of the main highway was shut down for like eight hours was it um it turns out when the bomb squad got there yes it is not a hoax. It is, in fact, a real bomb. 
Uh, they detonated it safely, so no one hurt, which is awesome. Always the best conclusion to this kind of story. Uh, and then the next day, they said, uh, we don't think it was targeted. We think it was random, but we don't know that yet. And an investigation is underway. So, of course, everybody has been offering their theories. Um, yep. Mine was kind of one of the most obvious ones. Well, All right, what else was going on while everybody was looking at the this song and dance? Well, I just want to point out, because the bomb was in it, it was kind of near the Wendy's, which led to the local meme of, sir, this is a Wendy's, you know, and like, mm-hmm. I was popping into your local Wendy's to get some detonators. You know, I, I think I made a Hans Gruber joke or once or twice. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's John McClane foiled this bombing by taking the detonator. Um, but you know what else is happening in town this week? I do not. Yeah, I, I, I was considering just doing a local news roundup because there's another news story that broke today, and Yesterday, uh, the court trial started for a guy I won't name, uh, but he's basically one of the heads of the Freedom Rally bullshit that's been going on. Uh, yeah, don't name him. He's so, looking for that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, yeah, the court uh, situation so far has been kind of amazing in how effing... So this guy got de- a dub. I think the term is vexing litigant or something like that. Basically, it means he can't actually file a lawsuit without the approval of a judge. Right, because it's it it's like you've basically you've lost this right, you've abused it, and uh, yeah. you're just causing trouble for the court system. Like yeah, filing yeah. lawsuits and... as a form of harassment to the court system. It, yeah. No, <laughs> just no. Oh, and hey, guess what else happened? Uh, turns out he's represented himself in this case. Oh, good. And then refused to enter the courtroom if his, um, he and his followers, because he's basically a cult leader, mm-hmm. uh, had to, be, had to be searched. So they're doing that thing where they can't, it's like, I can't be searched unless I'm under arrest, this bu- bullshit again. Um, which, no, there's actually a long history of legal precedent for this, where if you, you're at a building... Um, you know, or going passing through a building, you you can be subjected to uh, the and like they can refuse your entry if you refuse to be searched. Exactly. It's it's it's, um, it's at that point. It this is it's kind of like obviously it's more serious, but at that point, it's kind of like um, trying to walk into a movie theater holding a pizza box. No, you can't do that. I have my right. No, you don't. You don't have rights. This is our business. And well, this you have is rights, a rule. Just not that right. And you, uh, you, yes. To be fair, I. But yes, it, it's kind of like that. It's like you can't search me. It's like okay, you can't come in. And if you can't come in, uh, guess who gets declared uh, as missed their trial? Guess how that works out for you? So you can follow the rules to be allowed entry or not. <laughs> it's very well, a- simple. One of the things that was happening is, like, he was refused to enter if uh, if people couldn't enter. Like, all right, we'll just start the trial without you. So eventually he did get in. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's been a bit of a mess. And he my – some of my favorite bits so far have been telling the judge to talk to the hand <laughs> because it's 1991 again. <laughs> That's embarrassing. Um, oh, my God, it's so embarrassing. And the other one was um, – 
the crown objected on relevancy to um the guy asking about like basically saying that the whole thing going on with the reason he was arrested was conspiracy. Uh, and so he started asking questions. Claude was trying to set that up. He's like, "Is like objection relevance?" And, and his response was, "The relevance will be revealed later, but I won't tell you now." And it's like, they're just like, "No, yeah, that's <laughs> no, not how this crap. works." But I know. But then with with people like this, that's kind of the whole problem: is they just don't know how anything works. I don't know no, they what think they do. Yeah, I don't it, know what it, fantasy they're living in, but it's like it is not this world and this culture. It, it's it's the little knowledge is a dangerous thing. It's it's, yeah. it's I don't know if it's properly done in Kruger, but it's like in that wheelhouse. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I don't want to even explain Dunning Kruger right now because I get the feeling I'm going to get it wrong. But, <laughs> uh, it's oh yeah. Let me, oh hang on, I got the exact quote here. Um. <laughs> He wanted to know why he was previously banned from entering the interior health building, uh, and and the guy objected on basis of the crown objected on basis of relevance. He said he what his oh. He said he wasn't ready to disclose the relevance of his line of questioning, <laughs> and the judge said no. Well, that has let no me relevance. Know, let me know. Charges. Yeah, let me know when you're ready. Then, <laughs> until oh, then, uh, shut the fuck up. Yeah. Please and thank well, you. Well, because he's trying to say it was a conspiracy. It yep. was a conspiracy that I assaulted these people. <sighs> anyway, uh, the last bit of local news before we get to, you know, something we haven't done in a while, so I do want to get to it. Uh, did you hear about the plane? Uh, no. So this happened today. This is okay. breaking news as a recording. Uh, did you know planes can catch fire? Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, a flight going from Kamloops to Calgary. Okay. Uh, it was, hang on, let me get, see if I can get the exact airplane right. Let me see if I can get, so, for the record, this is a Bombardier-8 Q400. So, this uh, is a I, prop plane, not a jet, right? Yeah, this is, this is a, well, this is a WestJet Encore flight. Okay. I believe, I believe 3252, uh, that's the... I, I can get real specific with this. There's the, I've even seen flight maps where it shows what the plane did because um, probably about right after they were passing Vernon. Yeah. Uh, that's when the engine caught fire. Neat. I, I understand the... that's not usually a good thing, though. No. So <laughs> to try and set the scene, because I have, I want to try to paint a picture for our uh, audio listeners. Um, the right prop itself is still turning, but flame was bursting out of the back of it. <laughs> Not a lot of smoke, but a lot of flame. So if you watch the, if you look at the flight pattern, it starts doing circles. <laughs> yeah. As it should. And <laughs> I, 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 I mean, I don't mean to landing. laugh. That's horrible, but I, no, I'm no. kind of visualizing Everybody it. is <laughs> fine. That's good. Nobody dies. So we can laugh at this. Okay. Then yeah. that sounds hilarious. It is kind of, yeah. Um, obviously, still plenty of problems with this, but um, so after circling, you know, however many times they approve it, a landing Kelowna, because Kelowna's usually better suited for this. Because like Vernon has an airport too, but Kelowna is usually better Kelowna's suited. Kelowna's is better, is bigger, I think, and better. Well, it's definitely bigger, um, and yeah, probably better because I mean, Kelowna is technically the tenth. No, it's sorry, it's it's actually got upgraded to ninth busiest airport in Canada. Hmm. 
That I didn't know. It may get downgraded to 10th again because I think one of the reasons it got upgraded is because of COVID. One of the other ones, I want to say the Billy Bishop Airport actually got lowered in ranking. Where is that? Because Billy, that's one of the ones outside of Toronto, I believe. Oh, okay. It's it's one of the Ontario ones I don't care about because I never fly there. Yeah. Obviously, Pearson was still like number one or number two, Vancouver, and then Calgary. And like, those are the big three. And then uh, Edmonton's pretty big, and there's a few others on there. I'd have to get yeah. the list. But um, anyway, um, yeah. So as the plane came down, 20 emergency vehicles, including ambulances and fire trucks, came zooming up to the airport. Yeah. Uh, and since I've mentioned before, I kind of work in that area. Uh, yeah. I got a front row seat to part of that. I, nice. did not, I did not have the wherewithal to film it, but uh, yeah, it was interesting to see a plane land and then a fire truck come right behind it and then an ambulance. And you're just like, oh, that ain't good. <laughs> no. But yeah, no, everybody was fine. And like, goodness, um, you know, because it's, it's a smaller plane because like WestJet Encore does the prop planes. Typically, they do the smaller like domestic hops, right? Yeah. One hour, two hour flights. Uh, whereas the bigger WestJet ones do like the you know, Kelowna to Toronto or whatever, which is like three hours. For those who don't know what that distance is. Uh, yeah, but uh, no, thankfully everyone was fine. But that was a hell of a day, eh? Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's been a hell of a week. Like I said, um, so far 2023 can blow me. <laughs> mm. I'm not thinking things are going great. And I mean... But what are they going to do below you? Uh, well, I can think of some things. Hmm. But I had one more thing on on this bomb. Because uh, yep. I was saying everybody has their theory. My real theory is mm-hmm. uh, that what was going on during the distraction, I wonder. My mm-hmm. joke theory mm-hmm. was it's like uh, it was also right near a bus stop, which is in front of the mm-hmm. Wendy's. Uh, and what if, uh, somebody during some criminal activity took the bus there? And so I'm picturing a bank robbery. It's like, okay, Frank, you got the guns? Yeah, I got the guns. Okay, Bob, you got the masks? Yeah, I got the masks. Joe, you got the, uh, the bags for the money, right? Okay, Charlie, you got the bomb, right? Yeah, I have... Fuck. <laughs> Oh, no, this is my Wendy's order. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. But the best one I heard is I was chatting with some people and we're all offering different theories. Uh, And my favorite one is one dude that was just like, nah, he was just mad that he got some shitty soggy fries. (laughs) And uh, sounds as viable as any other, I guess. (laughs) Um. Yeah. We're um. Uh, we got we got we got time. We got time. If you got something else. Well, Chris, you know what we haven't done in a long time. What's that? We haven't wrestled with the week. Oh yes, what do you got for me, Peter? Well, Chris, I've got two choices. Okay. Do you want to, do you want to have the longer story of a guy who has really crappy luck? Or do you want to just hear about how John Cena became John Cena? The John Cena one is kind of short. Um, We got like 20 minutes, so I could do the longer one. Yeah, let's save John Cena for when uh, there's more people. 
I think this is going to be a good one. It's it's pretty it's it's kind of amusing, but it's pretty simple. Okay, so uh, do you are you familiar with Lex Luger at all? Uh, vaguely, yes. I'm aware uh, that that is a wrestler, and I know someone has that name. But mm-hmm. aside from that, I really couldn't give you many details about it. Yeah, I'm gonna give you a bit of a run through. Um, okay. This oh, this does end kind of sadly. He's still alive, but there's other tragic stuff associated with him. Um, so. Man, it's uh okay, how do I So Lex Luger, uh real name Lawrence I don't know how to pronounce his surname. Bull it's no wonder he, he changed his, his surname in particular from when he became a wrestler. Um I believe he was a former yeah, he was a former uh professional football player playing for people like the Green Bay Packers. I would guess uh that that is Fall. Hmm? Oh, you st- you're looking at his surname. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so he... And it was 85 he retired from football because, like, his Packers stuff was only once one season. And, like, he was... You know, he played for the Montreal Alouette. He played for the Tampa Bay Bandits. Uh, I think... Uh, didn't The Rock play for the Alouette at one point? Or am I confusing him with someone else? I wouldn't know and couldn't tell you. Eh, that's fair enough. Anyway, um... So he got into professional wrestling in the mid '80s, uh, in particular with Jim Crockett Promotions, uh, better simply known as World Championship Wrestling. Mm-hmm. Uh, so WCW, uh, which was also at a time a member of the National Wrestling Alliance, just to get all the initials out of the way early. Yeah. For the simplicity, I'm just going to say WCW. And yeah. So <laughs> how do how do I how do I explain this? This guy always had the unfortunate timing. So, his probably his first big run was basically being Sting's best friend. We've talked about Sting plenty. Yeah. Um, and he was kind of like the all-American athlete good guy who frequently became WCW uh, United States champion. The United States championship is like the mid-card championship, not the championship, but yeah. ideally when when built properly matters like there's been a few situations where people have been feuding with a mid-card champion and it hasn't been over the title and i'm just like don't do that if you're gonna feud with the mid-card champion have it be for the title yeah but um that's neither here nor there uh so what happened is around i got it i don't remember the exact year this happened i want to say 1990 um was going to be the big crowning moment for Sting. He was going to become WCW champion. After previously being like in tag teams with Lex Luger and stuff like that, Ric Flair was going to finally drop the title to him. Then Sting got hurt, mm. which led to Capital Combat, the return of Robocop. We talked about that previously. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and Lex Luger was took on Ric Flair, and it was probably a good time to make Lex Luger champion, but Ric Flair was like, no, we gotta nah. make sure Sting wins the title once he's better. <laughs> so Lex Luger lost what was probably his best opportunity to become world champion. Yeah. Uh, yep, yep. And Robocop also appeared. <laughs> oh, man. Just what a weird, weird time. Uh... <laughs> So eventually what happens is uh, Sting is not really in the position to be world champion at the moment because I believe at the time, this is 92, 
Portuguese United States champion or something like that at the time. I forget what he's doing. And Ric Flair has now gotten pissed off by the owner of the uh, the the president of the company or whatever, the guy in charge, mm-hmm. uh, Jim Hurd, uh, who's rather infamous. And he pissed off Ric Flair so much. Ric Flair was like, screw you. I'm going to WWE. Going to the WWF. So he's like, all right. He's like, well, all right. Well, if you're going to do that, you got to drop it to Lex Luger. And I'm like, all right, that sounds good. So Lex Luger takes on uh, Ric Flair and wins by cheating. Wait, so does the that big hero disqualify you? No, uh, he turned heel to win the title. Okay. Which was a big mistake for the All-American character, because he didn't have the charm to pull off being a charismatic... Because, like, Ric Flair, you know, obviously now being more aware of what a creep he is, not great, but, I mean, he he can't deny the man was charismatic. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to absolve him of all the horrible stuff he's done, but at the same time... Charismatic guy. I mean, a lot of people love doing the wooing and want to love quote love the quote. If you want to be the man, you gotta beat the man, and I am the man. Stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, so, Lex Luger didn't have that charisma. So, becoming world champion uh, after being the guy to get rid of Ric Flair, unintentionally, somewhat unintentionally, in a sympathetic manner for Rick, in a company that you know basically revolved around Ric Flair. <laughs> Made Lex Luger the whipping boy of the company. Yeah. The fans hated him because of this. Yeah. So as a result, you know, it's like, oh boy, I'm finally world champion. Oh God, I don't want to be world champion anymore. <laughs> so he ended up dropping the title. Um, I forget to who, but, um, and then Lex was like, screw this. I'm going to, I'm going to the WWF as well. <laughs> But the problem is his contract wouldn't let him do that. So what Vince did, because Vince Vince McMahon, uh, again, somebody with all his flaws, had a very... I, I don't know if it's homoerotic or just something, there's something weird about the his fascination with buff people. Yeah, there's like the famous meme. Yeah, like he... <laughs> Because that was because he created a bodybuilding federation, where like it was you know the swollest things that ever was, and he always seemed he, he the way he talked about the guys is like where I think a lot of the homoerotic questions about <laughs> yeah. him come from. But it like at the same time, it, like it was what was it the was it the World Bodybuilding Federation or was it, I forget I forget the but anyway he joined the bodybuilding federation and. Um, was going to join to the WWF as Narcissus, or sorry, Narcissus, um, as you would imagine, the very vain, swole dude. Yeah. The Narcissus, that was the name, sorry. Yeah. Uh, that was his initial introduction, and that was at the 1993 uh, Royal Rumble. Uh, <laughs> oh, no, I'm sorry. It is Narcissus, and then it was changed to the Narcissist. Yeah. But... Uh, what happened around WrestleMania that year was Yokozuna won the world title off of Bret Hart after during Bret Hart's first run, and then Hulk Hogan beat Yokozuna only to then almost immediately drop back to Yokozuna. 
because Hulk Hogan was leaving the company to go and be in movies and TV. <laughs> Spoiler, that didn't work out for Hulk Hogan. Ah, what are you talking about? Suburban Commando is a masterpiece. Yeah, no, this was the time, well, this, this might have been the time of that, but it was also when he did Thunder in Paradise. Uh, I've never seen that, but I do remember you telling me about that. I th- I'm sure I've talked about Thunder in Paradise before. Yep. Um, what if Hulk Hogan was the star of Knight Rider, but it's a boat? <laughs> is essentially what that show was. Yep. And it's not good. Uh, anyway, um, so he... Hogan's gone. They needed a new all-American hero. Because the all-Canadian hero, Bret Hart, it's like, yeah, that was a fluke. Let's not do that. <laughs> so, I Obviously, I disagree for many reasons. <laughs> um, so they reinvent Lex Luger as the all-American Lex Luger with his bus, the Lex Express. And he, uh, he, decide, he, he gets a title shot against... Um, Yokozuna at SummerSlam 1983 after a very weird slice of time where on the 4th of July, Yokozuna is on the USS Intrepid, which I believe was docked in New York or is docked in New York. Uh, and so like it's like because the symbolism, because the Intrepid was a ship during World War II. Yokozuna is, air quotes, Japanese. I believe he's not actually Japanese. Um, so you can kind of get where this is going. And so they needed a real American to come out and body slam Yokozuna, who's over 400 pounds. <laughs> How could he possibly be defeated? And then Lex Luger steps off his bus and, like, American music plays. And he's like, I'll take care of this guy. <laughs> may or may not have said a racial slur. I don't think there was too many slurs. There was, you know, some still very unfortunate wording. Kamikaze pilot jokes. Eh, anyway. Yeah. So this leads to the match at SummerSlam, and Lex loses because Yokozuna gets counted out. Um, for the record, because I, I didn't want to say this without double-checking, but I thought this was the case, uh, Yokozuna is actually Samoan. I well, thought so. Samoan-American. He was born yeah. in the States. I'm pretty sure he's a, he's a fringe part of the wider Anoa'i family, which also contains The Rock and Rikishi and all them. Possibly, I didn't read that far. <laughs> it's one of the biggest um, wrestling families because there's just so many cousins. Yeah. So it's like if if you're if you're a wrestler of yeah Samoan descent, there's like a non-zero chance you're somehow related to The Rock. Oh yeah, uh, Anoy. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So he's Ag- he's Agatupu Rodney Anoy. Yeah. So he's I I don't know I, I need to see a family tree to see exactly how he connects, but. There's a reason why Rocky Maivia, when he debuted, was considered a major legacy wrestler. Yeah. Anyhow, um, so he, like, when when your opponent gets counted out, even though you technically win the match, you don't win the championship because the title can only change hands based on submission or um, pinfall unless it's an, there's another stipulation involved. Yeah. So <laughs> Lex Luger is heroically triumphant in that he somehow still lost. <laughs> Which was really I'm seeing stupid. A pattern they, here. <laughs> it's really stupid too, because like this should have been his crowning moment, and for whatever reason they got cold feet, and so he didn't win the title. And then they added a stipulation that Lex couldn't uh, compete for the title again. So then a bunch of uh, 
lesser people, I, I can't remember who his opponents were, took on Yokozuna, and then this led to a match at Survivor Series. Um, I can't remember if I talked about Survivor Series. It's typically two teams fight, and it's uh, elimination style. Okay. So, like, uh, if if one guy gets pinned, the match isn't over. That guy just is no longer in the match, and you keep going until one team is fully eliminated. Makes sense. Yeah, it's and the and the winners are the survivors. With a big thing being like, what if you're a sole survivor, or who has the most eliminations of their team, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. <laughs> so Lex uh, took on uh, Yokozuna's team and was the sole survivor. I don't think it was the sole survivor, but he 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 won. And so he's like, I'm going to get you, Yokozuna. But then Yokozuna had a fight with The Undertaker instead, where he seemingly killed The Undertaker. <laughs> it was a weird bit. I mean, how like many the times un- has The Undertaker died? At least three. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure there's others I'm forgetting, but I can think of three off the top of my head. And I know because it's uh, right in the name, he's killed and buried a lot yeah. of people. <laughs> well, the thing is, whenever he's in a buried alive match, he always loses, typically. And then he just gets resurrected. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's a thing. Um, so there's a whole sub story with that too. <laughs> I might have to put that down for the, the death and re- the first death and return of the undertaker. Cause that also involves Leslie Nielsen. Okay. I was going to say, didn't you already kind of cover that? But uh, no, I don't remember any. <laughs> Leslie. I don't Nielsen think I've talked about that. It, yeah, okay. that's that's a weird that's a weird one. Uh, that's another time. Anyway, again, every time because this is a longer story. There's so many things. I'm like, oh, we should talk about that sometime. Yep. So at the Royal Rumble, and I know I mentioned this, the 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 final person standing in a um over the top rope elimination battle royal that is the Royal Rumble, the winner gets the main he gets the world title shot at WrestleMania. And so Lex Luger's in that, and that's his like his one way to get out of the clause that said he couldn't t- challenge for the title again. It's like because it's like you can't challenge for the title again. Oh, but the Royal one- Rumble winner has to be able to challenge for the title at WrestleMania. So it was his loophole. Yeah, it's it's not a bad loophole, honestly. Yeah, uh, I don't I don't hate it. It's you know it's a little rules lawyery, but I'm all right with that. So it comes down to Lex Luger and Bret Hart, who I as I mentioned was champion at last year's WrestleMania. And they both go over the top rope at the same time. <laughs> and they purposely don't film whose feet touch the floor per first, which is a brilliant idea because that way you can't slow motion replay to figure out who the actual winner is supposed to be. <laughs> yep. They purposely then, don't have a clip. Then they just get to decide as part of kayfabe without any evidence to disprove it. Yeah, they've only done this one other time, and it's unclear if the other time was intentional or not, but um, that's a story for another time as well, because that one's hilarious. Um, so they they go back and forth, and they play Lex Luger's music first, and he gets a big cheer, but then they play Bret's heart music, Bret Hart's <laughs> music, and he gets a bigger cheer. Oh, no. So you can probably guess where this is going. Yep. That's probably where they decided this Lex Luger experiment isn't working. Let's let Bret Hart win instead. <laughs> so guy. lo and behold, lo and behold at WrestleMania, Bret Hart uh, beats Yokozuna to win back, win back the title. And Lex Luger's got nothing. I think the, the reason for all of this um, unfair treatment is... Uh, Lex Luger is a really stupid ring name, and I don't like it. And he's not the best ring. Like, he's... 
he's one of those guys who's big and buff and but he's a I, I'd say he's a worse ring worker than Hogan. Hmm. And like <laughs> Hogan Hogan's not the best in the ring and especially in his later years he, he really got a little decrepit. Yeah. But at the height of his fame he was good at doing a simple style that was still very engaging. Yeah. And and it's not like he couldn't do the more complicated stuff. It's that basically because of his schedule and everything, they didn't want him to. Yeah. And um, especially because hit with his size, that can wear. Because like one of the reasons Hulk Hogan can't walk these days is because he did the leg drop too many times with his greater frame. So he was yeah. landing on his butt too much, and it compressed his spine. Yeah, that's not. Is a very re- no, and the <laughs> leg drop is a very benign looking move. But that's like, a hard one to do when you weigh that much. I know. Like, that's the thing. Because all he's doing is putting his leg over the guy's neck while falling down. The problem is the falling down. Yeah. Um. So, as you can imagine, after this flop, uh, Lex Luger uh, basically was useless. He he uh, ended up in a team with uh, Davey Boy Smith, the British Bulldog. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just say Davey Boy specifically to make Kieran laugh if he listens to this episode because he loves that name. <laughs> uh, and they were the Allied Powers because, you know, Davey Boy was British and he was American. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that ended up being a bit of a damp fart. So, <laughs> what is Lex to do? Hey, WCW just started a new a new TV show, WCW Nitro, and Lex Luger's contract with the WWF expired and they haven't renewed it. Why doesn't he show up in the very first episode of Nitro as a surprise appearance? So he did. How'd and, that go? Well, there's t- first of all, that made him persona non grata in the WWF to this day mm-hmm. because Vince is a very, very petty man. <laughs> you don't say. Yeah. <laughs> I guess everybody has to have one flaw. <laughs> <laughs> one flaw. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, and then, hey, remember how one of the first things I talked about when we started doing this was the alliance to end Hulkamania? Yep. Guess who got drafted into that stupid-ass storyline? <laughs> <laughs> I forgot you, I think you mentioned that he was in there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's like, hey, man, do you want to go back to WWF? Oh, wait, you can't. Welcome to hell, Lex. Uh, yeah, also, um, the campaign to end Hulkmania is like, you're literally going against somebody at that time un-fucking-stoppable. The world yeah, was, like, insanely rabid for everything Hulk-related. Also, he... WCW was paying him a lot of money. Yeah. Hulk Hogan was getting $300,000 per pay-per-view match. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. And he was getting a, a percentage of sales and, like, all this other nonsense. Oh, yeah, he like cleaned his con- up. <laughs> his, his con- I think his three-year contract was worth, like, $10 million. Ugh. Oh, man. And that, was, and that was just, like, the money. That was without factoring in residuals and stuff. It was it was insane. Well, steroids aren't cheap. <laughs> no. Uh, so, eventually, what happened is um, the Giant, uh, the big show at the at time just called the giant yeah. wcw champion and while other stuff was happening lex luger took on um the giant as a possible contender for the world title losing uh yeah he never won the world title in this period <laughs> then the infamous nwo invasion happens yeah and lex luger is recruited alongside uh well sting recruits lex luger and the macho man 
to defend WCW's honor against the NWO. And Lex Luger, unfortunately, is the guy who immediately gets his ass kicked and is no longer in the match, in the big pivotal match. So he's an afterthought in one of the most important moments in wrestling history. It sucks so (laughs) much. Because, of course, Hulk Hogan has to betray WCW by leg-dropping Macho Man. Right. Who else would he do it to? (laughs) And Sting is the guy who keeps trying to make valiant comebacks to defend WCW's honor, but instead they beat the crap out of him. And then Lex becomes paranoid when NWO has another guy in face paint that he thinks is Sting, even though side-by-side the two Stings don't look anything alike. (laughs) Because Lex is a fucking idiot. And this leads to the start of Crow Sting, where he just hides in the rafters and doesn't wrestle. Oh, and in the okay. meantime, Le- in the meantime, Lex Luger's like, "Oh man, I'm an idiot, and I betrayed my best friend. This NWO crew—they're no good. I need to do something about it." So eventually, <laughs> as the NWO storyline goes on, and Hulk Hogan is champion and evil, Lex um, ends was, up being. <laughs> was this during his Hollywood phase? Oh yeah, this yeah. was the height of Hollywood Hogan. Oh gross! That was like yeah. the worst. Yeah, uh, he ended up becoming the number one contender um, to the world title. I forget. I forget what happened. Oh right, he teamed up. What happened was um, at the event Bash at the Beach, he teamed up with the Giants. They were friends now to defeat Hollywood Hogan and Dennis Rodman. <laughs> I forgot he wrestled for a bit. Because this was at the height of um, Michael Jordan's second run in the Bulls when Rodman was on the Bulls. Yeah. And this was probably the height of Rodman's fame. This was when Rodman was making uh, those horrible movies he made. Simon Says, I think, was one of them. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. I I think I literally blocked that out. (laughs) Yeah. So... (laughs) <laughs> he pins Hulk Hogan in that match it's like well I beat the world champion in a tag match apparently I should get a world title shot and then shocker of shockers Lex wins Okay, his second WCW championship reign is the first guy to f- defeat Hollywood Hogan for the title after he turned evil Okay, guess how long that reign lasted uh, about six hours I want to say a week. Oh, okay. Uh, because it was all to set up Hogan to win it back at the uh, Hogwild pay-per-view, which is the one where they filmed at the Sturgis Biker Rally. So in, a bunch of drunken, in front of a bunch of drunken bi- bikers, Lex lost his title to Hollywood Hulk Hogan. <laughs> Man, this By poor the way, guy can't get a break. No. And guess what? That was his last world title reign. <laughs> oh, man. And when was this? That was like, uh, that was 1998. Yeah, I was gonna say that's like over 20 years ago. Oh, sorry, that was 97. Oh. Um, yeah, because after that he kind of just flounders in relevance. At one point, he joins the NWO Wolfpack. I don't know if you remember them. Mm, not coming to mind. Uh, basically, Kevin Nash decided Hollywood Hogan sucks after being one of the first guys to join him. And so it makes his own group of the NWO that's more like just like cool, good guy um, counterculture to the NWO's evil counterculture. <laughs> and that's what led to Red Face Paint Sting and Lex Luger was in that group too. 
Lex Luger was also there. I forgot about red face paint sting. Yeah, that's where that came from. Mm. And then eventually he became known as the total package Lex Luger after the NWO stuff ended, and then he teamed up with um, Buff Bagwell to become totally buff. (laughs) Who were... That's when they really started to suck in the ring. Like, Lex wasn't great in the ring at this point because he was starting to really show wear and tear from, you know, years of being an athlete. Because, I mean, at this point, he'd been a wrestler for about 15 years and had been a football player for at least five before that. Yeah, that... Boy, that's taxing on a body. And I am fairly confident he was taking steroids at some point. Probably. So that that may or may not have ruined him to a degree. And this is where the just plain sad part of Lex Luger's story is comes. This is the part where any question about if you could ever go back to the WWF or now current WWE is thrown out the window because okay, so Lex Luger is married and Macho Man Randy Savage had recently gone through a divorce from Miss Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. You know, the the woman who was the centerpiece of WrestleMania 5. Uh, you know, Macho Man's queen. You know, it, it's a little sad, but unfortunately, you know, years on the road, they drifted apart, and she ended up starting to date Lex Luger while Lex Luger was married. Oh. And the reason I'm fairly confident he was taking steroids is because he was taking a lot of other fucking drugs at the time. Yep. And unfortunately, he was in the room when Miss Elizabeth had her fatal overdose. Oof. Yeah. So, I'm not going to say, I don't want to make it seem like she had no agency in what happened here. You know, as tragic as I don't want to also erase Elizabeth's own agency. But the big problem here is, like, he was basically seen as the guy who introduced her to drugs. Mm, So he's getting kind of blamed for this. (laughs) Yeah, so in addition to pissing off one of the you know, one of the the main guys he could go work for, he also pissed off a lot of people backstage. Hmm. And a lot of, where a lot of people just don't trust him for anything. So as a result, he did get the occasional wrestling appearance uh, because he was still friends with Jeff Jarrett, who created Total Nonstop Action Wrestling, you know, TNA Wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny because it sounds like a different thing. <laughs> yep. Uh, but around 2006, he basically retired from wrestling. Um, he became born again. He did help consult. Like, he's become a fitness consultant, so he did actually help WWE consult on their fitness program for wellness. Because, Which is a little twisted, because it's like, oh yeah, this guy, this guy uh, went through a lot of drugs and went through a lot of fitness stuff. So it's like, I guess he knows from firsthand experience what works and what doesn't. Yeah. But, um, yeah, like, the man was basically always second best. And, hmm. you know, it's unfortunate that he, like, like again, I don't want to, considering some of the other stuff other people have done, I don't want to fully blame him for what happened there, but... it's It's left a stink on him, I think, that's really made him... Like, he, he's still friends with Sting, he's still friends with Jeff Jarrett, and, but I think a lot of people just could never forgive him after that. Yeah, fair enough, and this is, uh, 
I don't I I don't want to say that not not having full control of yourself absolves you of your actions. At the end of the day, you did what you did. But if like this is a a Sid and Nancy situation, if you do inadvertently harm someone while you yourself are under the influence of harmful things it's kind of like there are two victims in a weird way and i don't i don't that that's a, a weird thing because like i don't think this uh, if if you got yourself fucked up on chemicals that doesn't absolve you of things that you've done but at the same time he was also a victim because uh, like those those things take over and ruin your life right well, like it, it's kind of a it's it's tricky it's tough that's the thing the whole thing sucks that that's the ultimate thing there's no way to say was he a good guy was he a bad guy uh like it's it's murky is the problem <laughs> and uh yeah that 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 sucks that that happened but you know what he he and she both chose to be there and and do those things so they were were both adults yep um that happened in 2003 by the way and that's why okay uh, around 2003 is when he stopped because i think that's early tna days he appeared a a decent amount but he was already kind of done that happened he made it. I forget what he did because he made an appearance around 2006, but that's also when he became born again. And then I think his only wrestling stuff since has been the he inducted Sting into a Hall of Fame thing. Um, because again, he's still friends with Sting, so fair mm-hmm. enough. And he, like I said, he did do some wellness stuff because I think he's, you know, generally turned his life around and was like, yeah, I might as well give back, do some wellness stuff. But I mean, that's about hmm. it. Hmm. And he looks, <laughs> he looks, he's looking his age now because he's like. Uh- He's 64. I was just Googling him. He's, uh, yeah, he's had a hard life, (laughs) I think. Well, yeah, he's very much uh, what could have been in in the wrestling world. Yeah. As as, as you can see, he's constantly around major events, and then it's like, we've picked someone. It's not you, Lex. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. And the main time they picked him, they fucked it up royally. It's the wrestling version of Always a Bridesmaid, Never a Bride. Yeah, and then the one time you get married, it's a bastard. <laughs> yep. The um, second time married, it was a one-night stand, I guess. Yeah. Um, that being said, uh, I am going to have to call this, uh, yep. and it is because sitting for too long starts to make everything feel stiff and painful, and I'm going to need to go lie down for a bit. You know what I would strongly recommend to everyone? If you can at all avoid uh, this thing that you literally can't avoid, so I'm making a joke here, please understand. Uh, Try not to get varicose veins. This surgery sucks. (laughs) Understandable. Yeah. But Um... uh, on that note, I'm glad to finally... uh, be on a hang on let me see there's uh last one i was on um 
January 25th, 444. So there was a two-week gap where we didn't put anything out and then like a few that I wasn't part of and it's good to be back. I miss doing this. Mm. Yeah, I'll be back. Yeah. But uh, on that note, we're going to call it. Um, what's what's the thing we do at the end? Theme song? No, we did that one. Intro? Uh, no, I think that goes at the beginning. Outro. That's the one. Three, two, one. Lipstick, trash bag, shatterproof glass, tailpipe, tread like grease and chrome. Front bumper, universal bearing, aerial brake shoe, shock absorber. Fireball.